Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. We've interrupted our series on Acts just for a few weeks. Because as Pete said, I've just had a sense that God really wants us particularly coming out of our Easter weekend away. I believe God is doing something significant in this place and in our hearts and in our collective heart together. And I think it's really important for when we sense God saying something that we don't just shelve it and go, well, let's do it when it's convenient, but we do it when he's speaking. And last week I shared about being inspired by God's purpose. And we had a brief summary of the whole of scripture from the beginning of creation all the way through to you know, Jesus coming, the Holy Spirit being poured out and, and even hinting at Jesus coming again. And the fact that God has such a clear plan, that his divine revelation, as Proverbs said, his prophetic vision is not ambiguous. And he has continued over all of Scripture with a consistent, clear purpose. From the beginning of creation to the return of Jesus, there is an absolutely clear picture of what God's agenda is, what his will is, what his purpose is. He created mankind in his image and he said it was good. And part of that creation was created to be in his image Because we were designed to be good. But we're also designed to have authority and dominion that we use sometimes for God's glory and sometimes for our own. And in that, he has invested absolutely everything to restore that good creation. Today I want to focus on one part of that story, one aspect of this whole picture. And that is that God doesn't only just have a purpose, he has a passion. He is unrelenting in fulfilling his purpose. He's unapologetic about investing and passionately pursuing his purpose. And made in his image, we are also called to be passionate about his purpose. Now, this isn't a passion like you have for your football team or for your single origin espresso coffee. I'm deliberately not looking at anyone in particular, Lisa. (laughs) I couldn't resist. I want to look at what this passion looks like. And I don't want you to take this verse for the familiar verse it is, because within this verse is a phenomenal passion. Now, you might know this verse. A lot of people do. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Many of you probably can quote it. Can I suggest it's probably too familiar? Because this verse unpacks a passion like you and I have never, ever seen before. Because God so loved He's so loved. 
Passion comes from the Latin word to suffer. Conviction, devotion, dedication, zeal, fervor. At all cost, he so loved that he gave his only son. Now, we were talking about this at leadership prayer yesterday morning. Maybe if you so love something, you would give your own life up. Maybe at the extreme. But I suspect I don't know anyone that would give their son up. That's, that's a price too far. Maybe to give my life up, but to give your one and only son up is too much. And yet that is the passion that God had. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is his purpose. His passion, his love, his commitment, his devotion to his purpose is overwhelming. This eternal life, it's bundled up in a nice little phrase, but what does eternal life look like? Forgiveness, mercy, redemption, healing, restoration, love, protection, provision, purpose, identity, belonging, intimacy, power, peace. We could keep going. He is so passionate for this. This is the length he will go to. He will suffer his son for the purpose. Now, as Aussie Christians, we've unfortunately inherited a double whammy. First of all, we've inherited a past that's built on convicts. Part of coming from a convict heritage means we have a posture of feeling like we've been treated unfairly. That's sort of our default posture. And secondly, we distrust authority. I'm generalizing. The second double whammy as Christians is we come from a Protestant heritage. Now, there's some great things about being a Protestant. I'm not, I'm not dissing it completely. But one of the things we've inherited is being disillusioned with church leaders. That's built in who we are. We're protesters. That's where Protestant comes from. We're, we're against the status quo. It's not all bad, but it's a heritage that is also comes with it some caveats, some dangers. You see, the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church have icons or saints. Now, we've rejected that posture in a lot of ways because we want to reject any sense of idol worship. We don't want to worship anything but God. But the problem is, we then struggle when it comes to heroes of the faith. Because then are we worshipping idols if we look up to heroes of the faith? So all we're left with is Jesus and God. That's not bad. The problem is we, we don't associate so well with God because he's God and we're not. 
We go, well, he's not like me. So we're stuck in this place when we look at passion and go, that's all well and good for God because he's God, he's perfect. I'm not perfect. How am I meant to reflect his image and be passionate like he's passionate? And we end up stuck in a place with no one to look to. And yet, when you look at the story, well, lots of stories in Scripture, the Orthodox Church and the Catholics would call saints, heroes that they would say inspire us to be passionate. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Rakshak and Benny, for anyone who's into um, Veggie Tales. Rakshak and Benny are three heroes that are absolutely passionate. They're three guys that actually know their purpose and are passionately committed to it. And they reflect God's passion. That I just want to unpack a little bit today because I think God really wants to speak to our hearts and he really wants to challenge the way we see passion and the way we're inspired to be passionate. It says in Daniel 1.4 that with, with Daniel as well, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were mates with Daniel. They only selected the strong, healthy and good-looking young men. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. So these were smart young guys. In fact, as Pete said, they were set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. They were respected people. They weren't stupid. And yet their defiance of King Nebuchadnezzar, the second apparently, was a pretty stupid thing to do, humanly speaking. But what it demonstrated was how passionate they were about their purpose. They weren't compromising their God-given purpose. And what was that? What did we learn last week God's purpose was? To look good, to make him look good. Yeah? So make God look good. And if we're making anything else look good, we're missing our purpose. Our purpose is to look good, to make God look good. Because everything he made that was good and we've made in his image. The first thing I want to point out about these three guys is that passion fuels purpose. It's all well and good for God and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to have good purpose. But if it's just left as blueprints, if it's just left as an idea, it has no traction, it has no value, it has no substance. Passion actually is what fuels the purpose. Passion is the conviction, is the devotion to the purpose that gives it legs, that ignites it, that fuels it, that energizes it. If God had a purpose for humanity but had no passion, nothing would have happened. It's his love. He's so, so much love committed to his purpose that meant the purpose actually got legs. He did something about it. 
And we can often get stuck with good ideas, grand ideas even, but without passion, they're just hot air. So passion actually fuels the purpose. But anyone with passion, if you've seen anyone with passion, particularly in Australia, because we don't, we don't like people who stand out or stand up, you're going to get your head chopped off. We call it tall poppy syndrome. We don't want anyone to stand out or to represent something too passionately. And like these guys, they stood up for what they were passionate about the purposes that they were completely invested and devoted their lives to, to the worship of God. And sure enough, they didn't have their heads chopped off, they had their bodies burned instead. Well, that was the plan. But passion endures persecution. Real passion actually says it is worth suffering for and as I said before, it comes from the word suffer. It's worth suffering for, for the outcome. So if you think God has an unfair advantage because he's perfect and his sacrifice of Jesus was just divine and didn't hurt him like it hurts us to suffer, look throughout scripture at people who suffered for their passion. They reflected God through their sacrifice, just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did. We would prefer to burn in the fire than compromise our purpose. And in that place, we believe still our passion and our purpose tells us that even then God can save us because he's mightier. But if he doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. I will endure the persecution for the purposes that you've set for me. And what's the result of that? Even the king acknowledges who God is. Because passion attracts partnership. Passion is attractive. Purpose is a good idea. But when someone is passionate about something, it draws people to it. So what are we offering the next generation? What are we offering this generation? I would argue that in a lot of ways, we are raising kids with no conviction or hope. Many of them, even at 10, 12, 14, 16 years old, are pretty disillusioned with the world. And if you listen to the media, the story they're being told is that there's wars, there's house prices increases, there's the cost of living, there's the energy crisis, the environmental crisis, there's pandemics. What is there to get passionate about? Meanwhile, we get together on a Sunday, sing four songs and have have a bit of a chat about a topic and then go away and whinge about everything. Yeah. 
Are we any different? Are we actually passionate about the purpose that we're here? We call ourselves a hope revolution. And I believe we're called hope revolution because we're called to be a hope revolution. But a revolution, hilariously, there's two definitions for revolution. One is going around doing the same things over and over again. Right? That's not the revolution we're talking about. Right? We're talking about a revolution that is different to the world. But not just to be different, it's to be opposed, to revolt, to move in the opposite direction to the way of this world. We're called to be passionate about our hope in Jesus Christ. Because he is the purpose for life. It's only in him that we have something to offer this generation. And you know what? It's all God's offering them. There is no alternative. There's no follow your dream, sorry kids. There's no, if you enjoy and it doesn't hurt anybody, just do it. They're actually lies. Glorify God and live his way. Then you will have abundant life. That is the truth. Jesus tells a parable of a farm owner, a property owner, a leader, a person of influence, a passionate man who goes away for a while and gives three of his servants some money. Now, I didn't realize this till this week, but it talks about giving them talents. To one, he gives five talents. To another, he gives two talents. And to another, he gives one talent. And I was like, what's a talent? I better look this up. And there's, there's not quite clarity on it, but it's between 16 and 20 years of a laborer's wage. In Australia, an average laborer's wage is $63,000. So at minimum, a talent is a million bucks. And that changes the picture for me. So the story is he gives one $5 million to another $2 million and to another $1 million. He goes away and comes back a while later. And the story goes that the one that was given $5 million invested it and now has 10 to offer his master. The one that was given $2 million comes back and says, I've made... Four million. But the one given one million dollars, remember this, one million bucks, buried the million dollars because he was afraid of his master's passion. He said, you're a shrewd man. You don't muck around. You have purpose and you're driven. And I was afraid of it. And so he buried a million bucks 
Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, because it determines the course of your life. What you are passionate about matters. It makes a massive difference. And in The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren talks about five. I've added one to his five. I've made it six. Six things that are often driving forces in our lives. Things that get into our heart that shouldn't be in control. They're things that are there, but we need to guard our hearts from these things because they become things that distract us from God's passion. Guilt is a powerful driving force. Resentment and anger. Sometimes that can come across as disappointment in other people. Disappointment in how they behaved or what they did. Maybe what they did to you or what they didn't do. Fear. Being crippled by by getting it wrong. Fear of what might happen. Fear of things out of your control. Materialism. Getting fixated by what you've got, what you don't have. The need for approval, which is a reflection of our pride. To want people to like us. To want people to notice us. And the one I added is pleasure. To be driven by the ever-repeating need to feel good. You know, you can tell what someone's passionate about really, really easily. You just need three things. You need to know how they spend their time. You need to know how they use their resources, their money or their possessions. And you need to know what they do with their mouth. What they talk about. And if you've got those three things, you can tell what they're passionate about. So, your kids, your schoolmates, your workmates, your families, if they knew those three things, what would they say you're passionate about? Because if we look at God, how does he spend his time? How does he spend his resources? What what does he use his voice to say? There is no confusion what he's passionate about. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. What were they invested in? What did they use their tongues for? How did they spend their time? No confusion about what they were passionate about. Me? I'm not so sure. I'm not sure it's that clear. And in rejecting heroes, 
we actually look around at each other and go, I don't know who I'm meant to be following. I'm not a hero because I'm not showing my passion like I should. As a group of believers, I believe we are meant to be heroes. I believe we are meant to be people that are so passionate that we fuel the purpose God's given us. We endure the persecution that will come against you if you are passionate. And we desperately, desperately invite partnership to get passionate about what God's passionate about. That is what we're created for. This is a summary of everything I've said today from Ephesians 5, and I've skipped some things just to simplify it. Read the whole thing, it's all good. I'm not trying to dilute the message at all. But Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Does that sound like God's purpose? Absolutely it does. Follow that example. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. You and I were made for this. This is our purpose. This is something that I believe God wants us to get passionate about. And next week, we're going to look at being inspired by God's practice, some tangible things that, that we need to actually put into place out of our passion. But we can't get there without letting go the things that drive us. Pete mentioned earlier that we're going to have a time of ministry. Because sometimes there's some things we're holding on to, there's some things that are out of our control even, that are driving us that shouldn't be driving us. That is putting a cap on our passion, that is holding the passion back that God wants for his purposes. And I don't think God wants it there. I think, in fact, he's invested everything into those things not being a stumbling block. I have a particular word for the men. And you can laugh, that's okay. I shaved last night. And, and I was shaving with an old blade it was the last one and it was the best of the little bunch that I had there and it wasn't that pleasant and it wasn't that effective but I put up with it until it got to the point of being not productive So I went and actually had a look. I went, I wonder if there's any more. And I looked in the cupboard and there was a brand new box packet of 20 
Schick Mark III blades. No, what's the other brand? Gillette. Gillette Mark III blades. Brand new, unused, ready to be used. And as soon as I saw that, I felt prompted. And this is for guys. Ladies, you can hear too, but guys, stop being so proud to ask for help. Stop putting up with the pain and the ineffectual state that you're in and ask for a new blade. Don't put up with it. God is so invested and passionate about freeing you and yet you want to hold on to the brokenness Because of your pride. Because you don't want to look like you need help. Just ask. It doesn't have to be that inefficient. But you do need help. And I think as guys sometimes we're too proud to ask for help. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to get Daniel to play a song. And I just want you to stop and pause. Because there's been a whole heap of words that I've shared, but at the end of the day, I really believe God wants to speak to our hearts. He wants to speak to us about the things that get in the way, the things that hinder, that stop, that cap, that distract us from being passionate about him and his purpose for life. And then out of that space, I'm going to invite you to respond. And I'm going to invite you to to come and get a couple of people to pray for you. But I might look silly. Absolutely. You might have to test that endurance of what your passion is about. There's going to have to be some sacrifice for us to be passionate. But I don't think we can move forwards as a healthy church without wrestling with this question. We have to wrestle with what our purpose is, but we also have to wrestle with what our passion is. Let me just pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you have demonstrated what it means to be passionate. I thank you, Lord, that you have first reached out to us. You have fueled your purpose. You have endured persecution. And you have so graciously invited partnership. Lord God, we thank you for the passion of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray as we wait on you, as you speak to our hearts, Lord God, I pray that you would reveal in us things that we need to let go of, things that we need to surrender to you, things that we need you to come in and break, restore and redeem so that, Lord, we can be 
the people that you created us to be with the purpose you created us for, Lord God, and the passion you invested in us, Lord. We ask that you would do that now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.